You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. In the preceding chapter, Saul has defied God's man and God's mandate and taken upon himself an office and a role that doesn't belong to him and gotten impatient and gotten ahead of God. Has anyone here ever gotten impatient and gotten ahead of God? (laughs) I think I've lived there at times. And when you get impatient and get ahead of God, you can create for yourself all kinds of difficulty. And so Saul has gotten not only impatient and ahead of God, but the the violation had to be more, even more um, grievous than that because God took the kingdom away from him. Although he remained in the office and he remained the king technically, over Israel, he was not really king in the hearts of the people as much. Uh, He he began to rule by fear and dominance uh, after this um, incident. And so we're catching up in the story. God has bypassed Saul. He has anointed David. This is when David is about to go up against Goliath. So this is a very familiar portion of Scripture. but um, And I have a lot more reading, but I think I'm going to just make it real simple. Put your finger on verse 29. David's come down. He's brought food to his brothers who are on the front line. His three oldest brothers are fighting uh, for Israel in the war against the Philistines. The Philistines are trying to encroach upon the Israeli land. And, uh, of course, they have to defend their homeland and are not about to let the enemy get on their land. But there's a standoff because of Goliath and his size. And uh, the challenge has gone out to just send out one man to fight our champion. And, of course, the armies are used to hand-to-hand combat. They're not used to this one-man thing. And everybody's kind of trembling in fear. Nobody knows quite what to do. Although Saul is a large man... Saul stood ahead above everybody else in the nation. He's not nearly as large as the champion of Gath. And so everyone's trembling in fear. Verse 29. Uh, In fact, let's look at uh, verse uh, 28. Um, I'm going to read this out of the King James. Now, Eliab, his eldest brother, Heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. So just before this, David has had a conversation with some of the soldiers, and he's going, Who is this loudmouth? Who is this loudmouth that everybody's afraid of? Never seen him before. Who is he? And so <clears throat> he's getting a little persecution from his older brother. 
Anyone ever been persecuted? <laughs> if you're going to make a stand for Christ, if you're going to make a stand for God, if you're going to stand up for righteousness, you're going to be persecuted. Uh, I've known people here just recently in the last week or two but gotten persecuted because they made a stand. In fact, our, even our mayor in our city has come under persecution because she tried to make a stand for morality. And so anytime you're going to stand up for righteousness, just know that someone, and oftentimes even in your own camp, your own people, your own family, the people who are closest to you, oftentimes will, will come against you and chide you because you're trying to do something the right way. So this is the little speech he's getting from his brother, and his brother's really picking on him. He's saying, uh, you're just you're just a bratty kid, and you come down here because you just want to see the battle, so you can you can go back and tell everybody you saw the battle. And so, <clears throat> David, David, uh, just prior to this, I guess I should tell this else so you understand. David, in his conversation with the with the soldiers there, he asked this question. He said, and "This is why his brother gets on to him." He said, "So." what is it that the man who takes this giant out is going to get? He wants to know what the spoil is. What's the reward? What, am, what, what, am, what will a, the person who, who challenges this soldier receive if he takes him out? And so now his brother is going, well, you snot-nosed little kid, because he's an adolescent. You'll read that if you read that in the Amplified. He's just an adolescent young man. And so he thinks, who do you think you are? You're not dry behind the ears. You come down here talking all smack in front of all these soldiers like, you're going to do something, David? And so David, picked it up, let's pick it up in verse 29. David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Now, I've, I've preached that. I've preached that a hundred times. Is there not a cause? But then I read it out of the Amplified. <laughs> and, says, and David said, what have I done now? Was it not a harmless question? In other words, why am I getting so much flack from you? Isn't that a question somebody should be asking? Shouldn't somebody ask the question, what do we do to take this, this loud mouth out? What would you receive if you to take him out? Is, is, is it wrong to ask the question? Verse 30. And he turned from him towards another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former matter. In other words, he didn't like what the brother said, so he went to somebody else and asked the same question. Verse 31, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now look what David said. He said, don't, don't let your heart fail, Saul. I'll handle this. Well, we're talking about an adolescent boy talking to a king, a warrior. He says, don't, don't get nervous, Saul. I got this. Verse 33, and Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine or to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. Now look at this. Even when the people who should believe in you don't believe in you, it doesn't mean you're out. And here he goes, and I'm sure this had to deflate him just a little bit. Here he, he stands up in the battle, and he says, I'll be your champion. Somebody's got to take him out. Somebody's got to shut his loud mouth. 
And, and so he gets trouble from the crowd. He gets trouble from his brother. He gets trouble from the king. Nobody thinks he's able to do it. So take a look with me real quickly down to verse 47. There's a whole lot of more narrative here about him looking upon the Philistine and how the Philistine comes against him. He says, hey, am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? What do you mean sending a kid out here to fight me? But verse 47 is the one I want to concentrate on. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. He's talking to Goliath here. So Saul has sinned the sin of self-reliance. Yeah, I'm going to let that hang in the air for a minute. Saul has sinned the sin of self-reliance. I don't need the man of God. I got this. And now, because he has been rejected by God, he is now a leader who is on shaky ground. And even though he's still in position, even though he's still leading the armies, even though he's still down at war, he's, he's a man on shaky ground. And there's no one harder to follow than a self-reliant leader. Especially if you're looking for a spiritual outcome. If a man is full of himself, it's hard to follow him because his arrogance leads the way. If a man is self-reliant and full of himself and a self-made man, he hasn't reached his, his, his bottom yet. And the greatest leaders are those that God raises up from the bottom, not those who start on top. Saul was anointed to be king, and he started on top. He didn't come up through the ranks like David. He didn't fight a bear. He didn't fight a lion. He didn't have to depend upon God in the dark hours of his life. He didn't have to depend upon God when he's laying out a field underneath the starry sky and he hears all the wolves howling around and he knows that his job is to protect the sheep in the middle of the night. He, he, he's never come up like David has come up. And David was not even favored within his own family. He wasn't even invited to the king anointing party. And now he's He's been covered in the oil. He's been baptized. He's been uh, anointed as the king. And there's probably a little bit of jealousy between him and his brothers because they were all rejected at the king anointing party. But David was brought to the forefront. So now the whole army is behind a self-reliant king, and they're on shaky ground, and no one feels uh, confident enough to step out and say, I'm your man. I'm your man. I can handle this. I'll take this battle on. I'll conquer this foe in the name of the king. No one, no one is there. So Saul has sinned his self-reliant sin, and, and here David is a, a young man, but David is in a, cut from a different bolt of cloth. Saul is self-reliant. David is completely reliant upon God. Because he understands that in the night, he needs God's help. 
That's why he sings songs of praise to God. That's why he's been called to the king's court to play his harp, to drive off demons, because he walks in the presence of God. He walks in the anointing of God because he knows his God. He trusts his God. How much, how much prayer do you think was going on in David's heart when he's facing a lion? And he knows it's you or me. One of us has got to go in this situation, and you're not taking out these sheep, so I'm going to stare you down. I'm going to face you. How much courage does it take to stand up before a bear and go, oh, no, oh, no, you don't. When you know with one swipe of his paw, you could be ripped to shreds. It takes, it takes courage from beyond your courage to face a moment like that. Few men have that courage to just run in. It takes strength beyond your strength. So I want to share this. I'll, I'll make this real brief tonight, but I want to share this with you. Even though Saul is a self-reliant man, David is a young man of total reliance upon God. Now, here's, here's, here's something that's interesting. I think you'll find interesting. David is the baby of the family. He is the eighth son of Jesse, the eighth son of Jesse. Eight is significant in Scripture. The number eight means regeneration, to regenerate something. Well, standing on this battlefield, there need to be something regenerated in this situation because everyone is trembling in fear from the king down. Everyone is trembling because of the giant of Gath, except one ruddy little boy who walks into the midst and he goes, really, you're going to let him get away with standing on our land, cursing our God, really? And so because of that, he's come underneath persecution now because he, he, he can trash talk just the same as the enemy can trash talk. The difference is the enemy's trash talking just to be trash talking, and he thinks because of his enormous size and his intimidation that he will win the war without ever really having to fight anybody. Little does he know that there's someone here who's not self-reliant nor underneath a self-reliant leader. There's someone who has walked up in the midst who is reliant upon God. And so aid is significant. It means regeneration, and it means resurrection. And when something dies, we need a resurrection. We need something brought back from death to life, right? So in this moment, David is the representation of regeneration and resurrection. To regenerate something means to restore something. To resurrect something means to bring something back to life. And so seven is the ending of a thing and the completion of something. But seven plus one equals eight. And eight is the beginning of a new era and a new order. And David is walking up into a battlefield 
while everyone else is shaking because of the ending of the leadership of Saul and the anointing of Saul has been lost, the rest of the army is standing there shaking in their boots because they no longer have the confidence that they once had in their leader, but walking upon the field unexpectedly is a young man of a new order and a new era, and he's about to usher in a, what I want to say, a new uh, a new courage that they've not seen before. And while everyone else is shaking in their boots, while everyone else is standing there right before Saul's eyes, the favor of God has been revealed in this newly anointed king. And by the covenant of God, he is, he is tired of the trash talk of the warriors of the pagan gods. And so he's standing here, and in verse 29, he says, is there not a cause? And of course, in the Amplified, it says, isn't there a merit to the question that I'm asking? What shall a man receive if he shuts up the devil's mouth? What shall a man receive if he shuts up the enemy's mouth? What kind of reward follows a man who can take out his enemy? That's what I want to know. What kind of reward follows the man who will stand up and defy the enemy of God and take him out and shut him up. David never once gave any credence to Goliath. He never once mentions him by name and everybody knew his name. He never once calls him anything but an uncircumcised Philistine. He doesn't call his name out. He doesn't give him any credence as a warrior. He just keeps calling him an uncircumcised Philistine. Now, what's the significance of that? I'm glad you asked. The significance of that is that David understands I'm operating under covenant. And the sign of covenant I bear in my body. But this enemy who's standing on God's soil, conjuring up curses from his gods of stone and wood, does not have a right to stand in the place that he is, and he's encroaching upon God's territory, and I'm intimate with God. I know God. I'm anointed by God. I spend time with God, and the same as the lion went down and the bear went down, this enemy too shall come down because it is a new era. It is a new order. There is a new king in the house, and I'm standing Standing here to let you know that this enemy, just like the other enemies that I have faced in my life, will come down. Mm. I'm having fun. <laughs> so repeatedly, he just keeps calling him an uncircumcised Philistine. Why is he doing that? 
because first of all, he's reminding himself of the fact that he is a covenant man. And second of all, he's reminding the army, the armies that stand behind him that this isn't going to be a very long battle, boys, and you're going to be able to go into this thing with the courage of God that you too are marked by God for victory. So follow my lead, boys. When you see the giant fall, go get the spoils from your enemy and drive them out of your territory. I'm having fun. Mm, i got to finish, though. Mm. So he keeps telling him, you're an uncircumcised Philistine, a person without covenant. You don't know the true God. You're an idol worshiper whose demonic fear and intimidation needs to be silenced here and silenced now. How often has the enemy come into your life and tried to intimidate you and tried to bring fear into your life and fear into your circumstance? How many times has the enemy tried to get dominance over your life by fear and intimidation? And that's exactly what he's doing in this circumstance. And so these are the parallels I'm drawing from this ancient story. It's for today. It's for our time. Although we don't stand on a field with a flesh and blood enemy, we wrestle not against principalities and powers Or we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle with principalities and powers. I have all the authority of Christ Jesus to go into the battlefield and to take the enemy out and to understand that I am also after the order of David. I walk after the order of Christ Jesus, for we are kings and priests in this life. And we are walking in a new era and a new anointing and a new strength and a new order because we as kings can take down any enemy that gets into our pathway because we are covenant keepers by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'll finish. So with unconventional weapons, you know the story if I would went on and read the whole thing. David takes down this giant. He doesn't do it in the way war has always been done. How's he do it? He does it with the, the symbols and the signs of, of breaking the covenant law. He stones the enemy to death. You stand there and defy the law of God. You stand there and defy the armies of God. You stand there and you trash talk. I'm going to show you what the penalty of the covenant is. It is stoning. Whap! And he hits him between the eyes and brings him down. And then the young man, who was deemed too young to fight and too young to rule, takes out this towering loudmouth with careful aim. And using the punishment of the offenders of the law, he stones him and takes his head off as the ultimate sign of defeat and humiliation to his enemies. And suddenly this army of unsure soldiers and warriors that have been led by a fearful self-serving king finds a new courage under the new warrior king to come out from hiding and to pursue and to chase down the enemy. And Is there not a cause and is there not a reason to ask God what reward there is for taking out the enemy? What reward is there to take intimidation out of the way? What reward is there to take fear out of the way? What rewards come with that? 
Well, I know what it is. It's to live in courage. It's to live in boldness. It's to live in holiness. It's to live in righteousness. It's to live poised and ready at any given moment that when the enemy arises, that I can stand in the confidence of Christ Jesus and take out the enemy. I can take him out because I have confidence in who I am in Christ Jesus. I walk after a new order. I walk after the order of Christ Jesus, where Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Just in an instant, he fell and hit the ground. He has no authority. And then he turns and speaks to us through the disciples that that same authority has been given to every believer who will believe in him, who has had a heart change and a covenant agreement with him. We walk in the power. We can stand in in congressional halls. We can stand in city halls. We can stand wherever we want to stand and we can pull down the enemy because we have the power and the authority of a new order in which we walk. I have the authority in my community to stand up and to speak the oracle of God and to stand against the wiles of the enemy and the intimidation and the fear of the enemy and tell it that it will come down, it will hit the ground, it will be null and void, it will die and we'll take the head off of that enemy every time if we can just believe that we are kings and priests of that new order. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. And thank you for your encouragement tonight. And Father, I ask tonight, Father, that this word, even as simple as it is, would be indelled in our heart, that we would understand who we are, and that we would understand that trying to be self-reliant will only end in tragedy for us, but if we'll be totally dependent upon our God and have our reliance in Him, that there's no enemy too large and nothing too impossible for us, for we have all the authority of Christ Jesus, the one who created the heavens and the earth, Father, we have all of his authority in the earth realm to walk because we have sided with his covenant through the blood of of his New Testament. We are children of the Most High God, and we are kings and priests after the order of not only Jesus, but even after the order of David. We have that new order, that new authority, and we're ushering in a new era in Cameron, Missouri, Father, where we can stand up and boldly proclaim the truth, not backing down, not shirking, and no matter how much persecution comes, no matter how much bad-mouthing and ridicule comes, they'll still stand dumbfounded as they see the enemies of God fall to the ground. They will stand dumbfounded, and then those soldiers who've been quaking and shaking in the background will see that as the giants are falling around us, suddenly they'll find the courage to come out from among them and stand up and be numbered with the righteous. God, I thank you tonight for this message, and I ask, Lord, that you give it and indel it into our heart like the, like the warrior champions that this body is and these individuals are, God. Strengthen us in our inner man to be the warrior you've called us to be, to not back down, to not be intimidated, to not slow down, to not be pushed backwards, and to not to not take to heart anything, Father, that's spoken, spoken against us. For what the enemy speaks in curse, the power of God speaks in blessing. And God, I thank you. And I thank you for the spoils of Cameron, Missouri. 
I thank you for the spoils, Father, in this spiritual warfare. I thank you that we walk with our head held high and walk in the peace of God and the confidence of God. And I thank you, Lord, that healings are manifest. And I thank you, Lord, that marriages are being saved, Father. And I thank you, Father, people are being set free from addictions. And I thank you, Father, that people are being helped and healed in so many directions and in so many ways. I thank you, Father, that families are being restored. I thank you, Father, that children that are confused Confused, Father, are finding their way to you. I thank you, Father, broken homes, Father, are being mended. I thank you, Father, under the sound of our voice, Father, that everything that, that would defy your law in this community, Father, will be brought to its knees and brought to the ground, Father, and will have to, have to surrender to the fullness of the power of God. We give you praise and we give you honor, Father. We thank you for the revival that has already started in our hearts. We thank you for the revival, Father, that's manifesting in our walk. We thank you for the revival, Father, that's moving in and around and through and among us, Father. We thank you for the revival that's, that's reaching into our community, Father, that it's soaking up those who didn't even think they wanted to be a part of God. I thank you, Lord, that you're moving and, and having your way in this community. Father, I thank you, Lord, for businesses, Father, that stand with Christ. I thank you, Father, for those businessmen and businesswomen, Father, in this community who have a backbone and aren't afraid to stand up and speak their mind and tell the truth. I thank you, God, that you're raising up an army, Father, of believers uh, in the next few days, Father, who are going to stand up, Father, and really, really be counted, really stand up, Father, not afraid, not intimidated, not able to be out-talked nor shut down. God, I thank you and I praise you, Father, that through the covenant agreement that we have, this enemy too, like Goliath, will hit the ground, Father, once and for all. Father, I thank you for those that are trying to legislate, Father, things, Father, around us that could bring uh, adverse spirits into our community, Father. We bind it in Jesus' name and thank you, Lord that it shall not have its way and it shall not rule and it shall not reign in our midst. God, I thank you and I praise you and I worship you, God. We shake sorcery from our community. We shake sorcery and the stronghold of it, Father, from our borders. And we give you honor and we give you glory and we give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.